Welcome to my MACD life, empowered by the Support Sight Foundation. This podcast is about macular degeneration and the devastating impact it has on millions of people and their families every single day, 365 days a year. Our mission is simple, to bring hope, optimism, perspective, and education to our listeners. So tune in, buckle up, and put your listening ears on. Here are your hosts, Don Prawl and Sean Doyle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to my MACD Life. I'm your co-host, Sean Doyle, professional speaker, trainer, and book author, and I'm here today with my co-host, the lovely and talented, the amazing, the incredible, the irreplaceable, Don Prawl, the founder and executive director of the Support Site Foundation and a visionary. Hey, Don. Hey, Sean. Hi, everyone. We're happy you've joined us. We're excited to bring you some great information, education, and inspiration. We really want to make a difference in the life of people who are suffering with MACD, and we call it My MACD Life. And Don, one other thing. What's that, Sean? We're, We're going, going to, to have fun. fun. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you in the audience today... We're glad you joined us. We're always happy you joined us, but we've got a special interview and we're going to switch things up a little bit between the co-hosts, me and Sean Doyle. Yay! We're switching it up a little because I'm going to put my interview hat on and I'm going to interview Sean because Sean's got an amazing story to tell. After all, my MACD life is about stories, amongst other things. So today we're going to hear from Sean. And I've got a few questions lined up, and stay tuned to this. Support for today's My MACD Life podcast comes from Healthy Vision Association, Novartis, The Sparrow, Centric Bank, and Hinkelstein and & Associates. All right, listen up. I'm listening. I'm going to kind of go out in another direction here. I'm tracking the show. I'm tracking the show. Start the show. Start the show. Start the show. Don and Sean show. Yep. So got a delivery. You know, we're all getting tons of deliveries these days with COVID and da-da-da, where we're at with things. And on the side of the box, I'm not going to name the Fortune 50 company that sent this to me, but you might figure it out. And it doesn't start with an A. Okay. Usually my shoes do, but okay. So on the side of the box was doer. Hmm. And I have a friend who's not from here, although he's lived here for a couple of decades and he couldn't figure out what that word was. Oh, interesting. Doer. And it is look a little weird. D-O-E-R. Yeah, what's this word? Doer. Yeah. Well, then, you know, he speaks French. He speaks you know a couple of different languages, but anyway, great guy. And I was like, do or what does that mean? Oh, I said, someone who does things, do. Oh, do. Because it was like, what is D-O-E-R, right? Yeah. You guys in your English spelling. <laughs> and so doing with MACD. Mm, that's a really good topic. Doing things when you're losing your vision and you have macular degeneration, you still need to be a doer. So what okay? do you do? Yeah, right. exactly. Or how. Right. right? Or how do you? Because it's it? not the same as before you had your macular degeneration. If you're going to use a chainsaw 
that I actually ended up buying from this company. You might figure mm. out even more who I ordered from. Or if you're going to use a leaf blower, okay? And lots of people with macular degeneration, it's it depends on where they're at with it. Early, mid-stage, right. mid right. advanced, can still do a lot of stuff. So let's talk about doing. Doing the stuff you need to keep doing. Because you got to keep doing or you're going to give up. Yeah, and I think stagnation is dangerous because it's not a natural human condition. You, when people stagnate, they lose their health, they get worse, they they. And when you they can't see, you want to. When you can't see, you want to stop. It's right? easy Folks to want to give up. Folks who are listening, yeah, right. you want to go, yeah, you want to stop. Or you think you can't do things because you can't. You're not going to be able to do them in the way that you used to. So let's modify. Right. So what what are things we can do? So first one that popped in my mind was exercise, right? Whether you were an exerciser, doer before diagnosis or after, if you're exercising, there's a lot of huge health benefits for the heart, for the eyes, for the blood flow. Exercise releases a lot of endorphins and lots of other chemicals that make you more optimistic. So there's a physical benefit, but there's also a psychological benefit. A couple of ideas would be a, a treadmill. We have a little more control over the environment that you're in, so you don't have to worry about, you know, obstacles or tripping over something, which is a very real danger for folks losing their central vision, uh, or having a buddy that will walk with you, grab their arm, or kind of follow along with them. Stay in a familiar place, so because you know it already. Yeah, if you have a park that you walk in all of the time and that path is the same, then you would have consistency. There are tips, and we we can put them. We're going to put them on the website mymacdlife.org. So check that out. So what about Another do. So I want to go to the store and, you know, do some errands. Okay. Let's say that you can still drive with your MACD. You go run your errands, but it's more challenging to see the things in the store. Yes. Okay. To check out. Yeah. Those things all become more challenging. Right. Are your credit cards in a certain order in your wallet so you know which one it is? The receipt? Exactly. You know, maybe. No, you don't want the paper receipt. Have them send it electronically. Maybe it's you've got the software in your computer. You can blow up the assistant. Great idea. You know, Great things idea. like that. I don't know. I just, I don't have all the answers. But I think it's good for us to talk about this stuff because it's the macular degeneration is 365, 365 days a year. I'd love to see our listeners send in their ideas so we can share them here on the show. So Sean Doyle, welcome to the interview section of My MACD Life, the guest today. It's kind of cool to be sitting in the in the guest interview seat. I'm not used to sitting in that seat. I usually sit over there on your side. That's I'm right. On this side. It's kind of cool. You got a different hat on. Co-host That's right. to guest. That's right. This is good. So let's dive right in. What do we want the audience, uh, the folks listening to know about Sean Doyle? Well, here's a couple of things that I'm going to start with and to lead up. And Sean, you take it from there in this first question, but I have a few more. So you are a leader. You're an inspirational guy. You're a motivational speaker. I know you've been to the White House. I know you've written many, many books. I know a lot about you. So take what I just said, what I just mentioned, 
and let everyone else know about you uh, in a way that makes sense for the path that your life took to get you here? Well, that's a great question, Don. No wonder you're the co-host of My MACD Life because you <laughs> ask questions like that. Right? It was a long, long, long one. No, but I think it's a really good one. I, I, when I think about you know, a professional speaker, as you mentioned, book author, executive coach, you know, former VP of learning and development for a Fortune 100 company. You sound pretty important. No, it's interesting because it, it, I, don't, I don't know that I feel important. I feel like a contributor. Ah. And I think probably the foundation of my life was my amazing parents. Because growing up as a child, my dad and mom always said, always, always, always said, you can do anything if you put your mind to it, as long as you're willing to do the work. So I love that caveat, right? It wasn't just you can do anything if you're you know, magically wishing it, as long as you're willing to do the work. So I would sporadically say, you know, President of the United States, uh, NFL running back, and they go, well, yeah, yeah, if, if you wanted to put your mind to it and do the hard work. So I feel very blessed to have that foundation. I was raised in a household where I was taught by two remarkable human beings uh, that anything is possible. And so when we fast forward into my life, you know, as a trainer and a speaker and a executive coach and author, I think I've just kind of continued that path, not only for me, but to teach other people that you can do anything in your life as long as you're willing to do the work. And so I provide people the tools and techniques to do that. And so that's why I love being part of this, my MACD life is we're giving people tools, we're giving people techniques, we're giving people ideas about how to live the best life possible with this often debilitating disease. So this is just another channel for me to help people live a, a more meaningful and productive life. So you took what your parents, the lessons and the, the mantra that your parents gave you and you turned that into a profession with all those uh, titles and things listed underneath. That's pretty interesting, actually, to look at it like that. So you like a professional, you can do whatever you want to do guy, like, right? Yeah, it could be a podcast, it could be a video, it could be a book, it could be a program, it could be mm -hmm. almost It is anything. all that for you. It is all that for you. Yeah. But, but how about, that's really interesting. So, so what's the name of your company the company is called new light learning and development okay People we have several find different, that online yeah we, <laughs> we have several Let's different get a plug parts. in there yeah we, we have several different parts of the company but one one part of the company is sean doyle training and that's a division of new light learning and development so new light learning and development's a parent company but people want to look me up they can just go to sean doyle training.com sean doyle training.com s-h-a-w-n yeah, S-H-A-W-N, not that mm -hmm. weird right. spelling of Sean. Tell us one story, one training story. Why would they need you? Why would companies need you? Why would somebody need you to come in and what do you train? You could train on a million different things. What's the training? I actually have 49 different proprietary training programs. Hey, wow, 49. 49. But I, but I think, Don, the biggest thing is that I really have empathy and I, I, an example of that is I'll go into a company to do a leadership development program. So they have, you know, 25 people come into the room and, you know, I'm chatting with people as they come in and there's a guy sitting on the front row and how are you? Good. Nice to meet you. What do you do? I'm a manager. How long have you been a manager? 10 years. Okay. What did you do before? I was in sales. Okay. So now you're a sales manager. 
So how much training have you had on how to be a leader? This would be the first one. So I really feel for people who are thrown into a role, having never been trained to do any of it, and we expect that they know how. Hmm. So I think that's probably my biggest passion is we, we have organizations where people are thrown into a role not being given the right training, direction, tools, techniques to be be successful. That's kind of like life, though. You know, because, you know, like, let's take parenting, for example. Yeah, there's no training for that, is there? the most important thing. That's right. You're right. So, you know, nobody says to you, or I had a personal trainer for a while, well, you get trained because you need it. Yes. You don't, if that guy already knew how to be a leader, then it wouldn't need you. But for 10 years, the company thought he didn't need me. Ah, there's the difference. Right. <laughs> Very good. So what makes Sean go, oh, Doyle- Oh, we need this. Right. What makes Sean Doyle tick? I love making a difference in people's lives, personally and professionally. That's what really, it's so interesting because, you know, people say, well, you know, aren't you exhausted? For example, you know, I fly to Missoula, Montana. You know, I do a keynote at a, at a company's conference. And I do a at bunch a of breakouts after that. That's that's a that's a big trip, Missoula, Montana, right? That's a big place, a big sky. Yeah, that's right, beautiful place. Been there, but you know, I, I spend the entire day doing keynotes and breakouts and programs and all this other stuff. At the end of the day, somebody comes over and they're like, "Aren't you exhausted?" I'm like, "No, I, I'm like so excited." So the work that I do is not exhausting; it's energizing because it has a purpose, and that's to make a difference in people's lives, personally and professionally. So that's or as what we makes call you tick? it. Help people win at work. So what makes you tired? Administrivia. <laughs> you know, please fill out form number seven oh nine six four three. I'm like, oh, makes my brain hurt because again, it doesn't feel like it's a contribution. It feels like it's just a a rote task, you know, that yeah. probably a robot in the future will do. So here's my other question, because we want people to get to know you and understand who you are as the co-host of My MACD Life, and that's one of many things, obviously, that you do. Who's your, who was your, name a mentor that you had. Tell a story about a mentor that you had, or have. I, I must give credit to Philemon Lopez. Uh, when I was in corporate America, got hired by a Fortune 100 company to be the vice president of learning and development. And on the very first day, I remember sitting in his office and he said, Sean, Here's the deal. You're going to get better. My obligation, my passion, my commitment to you is you're going to grow. You're going to get better. I'm always going to be coaching you and developing you. Sometimes you'll like it. Sometimes you won't. But just know this. You're going to grow. He said, what do you think of that? And I'm like, where have you been all my life? So, Don, in six years, this man transformed my life personally and professionally just by making that commitment to me individually to help me grow incredible experience. So he paid you to grow? He paid me to grow and every mm-hmm. single person on his team, he had that same level of commitment. So you saw this group just all rise to this highest level of potential that was incredible just because a very gifted leader realized, and I say this all the time, that the single biggest asset that you have is the underdeveloped potential of your people. Can you say that again? Repeat that. That the single biggest asset that you have and I'll add to that, it's not the trucks and the building and the products and all this other stuff. It's the underdeveloped potential of your people. Because if you could harness that, 
you know, any group that you have, nonprofit, profit, whoever you're working with, personally or professionally, if you can harness the underdeveloped potential of people and they want to grow, it's unbelievable what can happen. So let's relate that to the folks who are listening. So whether it's your macular degeneration, whether it's your starting to lose your vision, maybe you just you're listening because you just found got the news from your retina doc that you've got some drusen and your macular degeneration, you know, come see me in a year and we'll see what's going on. And so you know that your life's going to change, but you're not sure how. And you know, right now you can still see oh, pretty much kind of okay. It's not the same, but you know, it's at the beginning. So if you apply that to what you just said, translate that for people listening. What can they do? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things there. I think number one is support. Support Site Foundation. Hello. But, you know, having the support, whether it's friends. Or like somebody like your boss. What was his name again? Right. Philemon. Philemon. Everybody needs a Philemon in their life. So whether it's your boss, whether it's your family, whether it's your friends, whether it's your doctor, whether it's your, you know, physician's assistant, whether it's a nurse, whether it's somebody at Support Site Foundation, but surround yourself with a support system that will support you and bring you up and give you ideas and the tools that you need in order to be- Everybody everybody has one, but you've just lost your vision. So now you got to tap into that. So, okay. Yeah. So how do you live in the the new normal, if you will? What other thing? I think we live in a an amazing age. It's so funny to me, Don, because people say all the time, well, you know, how can you be motivated at a time like this? You know, all of the turmoil that's going on in our world, all the bad news you see on the media. But we live in an amazing world in terms of technology. So someone being able to turn on their computer and control a computer without using a mouse, just sincerely using vocal commands or being able to magnify something or change the kind. I mean, it's just unbelievable compared to say Helen Keller's day, you know, where there, there wasn't the technology available to her. And now there's so such great technology available that we're very blessed to have that. That motivates you. And you're saying to people get motivate yourself through technology and what resources are there. And there were resources that were not available in the past. So we live in an age where we're blessed to be living at this time because those things are now available because of the advent of technology and you know gotcha. many of our sponsors you know have those. Gotcha. And I think the third thing is that we have the ability as humans to learn mm. and that you know brain plasticity where you know you have one way of doing something and you learn a new way of doing something and it seems so hard in the beginning and you know this Don all the people that you work with yeah. but then suddenly a light bulb goes off and they're like ah I, I can do this in a different way, you know, in a different approach. But you know, the fact that human beings learn so rapidly, uh, so it makes uh, room for lots of amazing possibilities. Let's get back to you. Let's get back to you, because I have two more questions. So, when you, I mean, you're a human being. You're one of the most positive, motivated human beings I've ever met. Oh, thank like you. me, you are rarely exhausted because you get your energy from others and helping others. And that makes you happy. 
What makes you not happy? What do you do when you don't know what to do next? What do you tell yourself? Yeah, because you're so busy telling others and sharing with others. What do you tell yourself? Yeah, probably my biggest frustration is people who are locked into negative thinking. And when you try to help them, they just shut down. Can't change it. Can't do it. Not going to work. And negative people who are, I call them energy sucking vampires. That just- <laughs> that's what I was trying to get you to say. Because <laughs> that's in your book. Yes. Right? Yes. And they just, they, you know, you bring up an idea and they go, well, that's not going to work, Sean. That's stupid. That's nom, ridiculous. Nom, never, never done it that way. Never, ever, ever will work. Never. Never. Never, never. work. It's ridiculous. And you know, it's like, that's not the way we do it. That's right. That's not our policy. So these energy-sucking vampires want to drag you down into the abyss, down to the dark side. And those are the people that really frustrate me the most because it's not that they can't change. It's the fact that they've decided they won't change. And they enjoy being unhappy and making other people unhappy along with them. So what do you, but what do you, you kind of dodged my question though, although that was really good. I'm glad I got, we got to that energy sucking (laughs) vampire. And for those of you out there, it's okay to call people that. That's right. Or at least think it. That's right. (laughs) Keep them out of your life. When you're stuck or you, or you, you're stuck and you don't have a fresh new idea or you're writing your book and you're doing your work. I'm trying to get inside the day of Sean Doyle, the days of Sean Doyle when you're going, hmm, what do I do next? How do I get, you know, what do you do? Do you, what's your remedy for that? Do you go for a walk? Do you, you know, give people, you know, tell them what you do. I think it's two things. I think it's a support system. You have an amazing best. So you ask am- somebody else to get you motivated. I have an amazing best friend that I can call. I have an incredible wife I married up that I can talk to. You married up. Incredible friends and support system. So that's one and two. Every morning I do what uh, Hal Elrod calls the the morning miracle, where every morning I get up early. I'm on the elliptical energy, right? I'm eating a nutritious breakfast energy, and I'm every morning exposing myself to something positive. It might be a podcast like this one it might be a video it might be you know the latest book i'm reading and i tend to focus only on non-fiction self-improvement motivational books hmm. that's good advice constantly consuming positive as an antidote to the negative that's awesome and i call it you know the bad day prescription if you will that's awesome. Bad day prescription. Let's put that on the website, mymacdlife.org. If you're having a bad day, write yourself a bad day prescription. My wife likes watching It's a Wonderful Life if she's had a bad day. Watch 15 minutes of that. You're good. Jimmy Stewart, I'll get you That's going. Right. <laughs> That's not bad. That wasn't too it's bad. It's a wonderful I life. That I mean, what, a great, what a great movie. Great guest. <laughs> great interviewer. Thanks, folks. So I'm reading a new book that really struck me, and I wanted to know what your thoughts were about this topic. It's by Angela Duckworth. It's called uh, Grit. Oh, by... I know Angela Duckworth. But but thinking about the idea of grit, you know, just thinking about when people are subjected to adversity in their life, whether it's MACD or whatever the last year we've had, you know, tough times in the world. What determines grit? How do you get it? How do you develop it? 
more people were born with it. What do you think that's different than what she said or say is saying? I kind of like her definition that grit is kind of a combination of passion and perseverance. So uh-huh. there's something you have a passion for and you're willing to be persevering. You're it's willing kind of interesting to persevere? definition. Perseverance, uh-huh. yeah. To, to, no matter what, just keep going forward. So you're gonna you're you're you like what she says. You don't have your own. No, I think it's a combination of passion and perseverance. But I think there also has to be an environmental aspect to it. So in other words, if I'm living in an amazing relationship where I'm married to someone who's incredibly positive, that makes grit easier. If I'm not in a great relationship or have somebody who's very negative, I think it makes grit harder. That's what I would add to the equation. You could still do it. It's just the ladder's a lot harder to climb. So I was just wondering what your thoughts were about grit. What gives you, your person has tremendous grit determination. What, what gives you your grit? Thank you. You know what I think of grit is gravel. Gravel? I know that sounds really... Yeah, I mean, I've read that book a couple times. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm just saying. I have. She's signed a couple signed copies for me. I have. Yeah, I mean, grit, grit is gravelly. That's my. I'm going to take it in a visual way, mm-hmm. and not wax on esoteric. I think it's. I think it's about. You know, to me, you know, gravel, and maybe it's that Midwestern part of me, but uh, the gravel's everywhere. But I'm just. It's that. It's like the rubbing together of things. You know, if people could see me, I'm rubbing my fingers and my You're thumb rubbing together. Your so together. rubbing together, it's that gravelly, that grittiness that you have to have. That 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 when two surfaces rub together, that 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 get rid of things and that can that that can make you like tough, mm. right? Yeah. And harder. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I More think determined. Grit, grit, it's determination. And it's it, to me, if you're gritty, you can pull whatever you have to, from places inside you that you never thought were there and in things that you never thought existed. And you can pull them up when you need them and you dig really deep down inside and then you use it, right? You yeah. Just, that you use it because you need it. So it's a matter of recognizing that. That it like is that. somewhere inside you. And then it's like this, like, you know, you get the gravel. You've, whenever you fall down when you ride your bike or something, or even when I'm older and I hit yeah. my on the pavement, yeah. my, you know, you've got that, you know, you get back up and there you are and you just have it. And I know that sounds crazy, but I swear to God, every time I read that book, I think that. Yeah, exactly. And 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 if you think about it as an analogy. Get up and get up, fall down and get back up. Get right Who cares back up if again. you have gravel in your palms? <laughs> that's right <laughs> right just it doesn't hurt that bad just you know get rid of it and you know and the other thing i thought some... about when you said gravel was the idea of traction yeah that if you're trying that's to like part of the reason why that comes to mind for me it's weird yeah you know, you're on a you're on a muddy dirt road but then they put gravel down and now you've got traction you can you can yeah. go where you need to go there's something you're not slip sliding and you know yeah. sinking and so you know maybe i should email angela that because yeah. I've never shared that with anybody. I like that. That I, that and again, I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or indifferent. But I think it's interesting that you're. You know, I always come at things with words. But that book, that that is my like visual part of it. So we've got some gritty guests today. Folks are going to hear from. Yes. Right. Yes, absolutely. 
we, you know, think about for people who are listening, what's, what's your definition of grit, whether you read the book or not? And, you know, we'll put that on our website. I mean, it's an amazing book. It's been out for a while. And, yes. and she just keeps getting better and better, in my amazing. opinion. Yeah. But, so um, I think it's very thought provoking. And I think it, a lot of our readers would, uh, listeners would benefit from it. I'm glad you, know, you started that book, Sean. Say again? I'm glad you started that book. No, it's fantastic. Now oh. when you read it, you're going to think about gravel. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. That's a good thing. <laughs> My Mac Delice. My Mac Delice. My Mac Delice. This program is empowered by the Support Site Foundation. The Support Site Foundation mission is to save sight for millions of people who suffer from age-related macular degeneration, AMD, and lose their precious vision. As a 501c3 public charity, our goal is to provide patient education and access to low vision resources to help individuals, families, and caregivers whose lives are severely impacted by AMD. We place a high priority on connecting with people, their families, and loved ones who live with the daily struggle of impaired vision. The Support Site Foundation funds innovative research projects conducted by the top scientists in the field who are on a path to discover effective new tools, technology, and treatments for people like you with vision loss. The Support Site Foundation, supportsite.org, S-U-P-P-O-R-T-S-I-G-H-T.org, or call us at 888-681-8773 and connect with us on social media. Thank you. Hi, everybody. It's Christine Petty. Today, I want to continue to talk about Norman Lear. This is sort of part two of my conversation that I had with you last time. I was listening to Norman Lear's memoir called Even This I Get to Experience, which he narrates, which is always a a, a treat because there's no mistaking what tone and intention the author has when they're the ones doing the narrating. And I really came away from this listen with some life lessons I didn't see coming. I spoke to you last week about a few, and there's one that I want to talk about today. All right? All right. He writes about uh, his 80th birthday, and in a room full of family and friends, he wrote that as wonderful as all of it was, his mind was on the taste of coffee the next morning. And he, he said this to them in the room. He said, this evening is over, and I am on to next When something, however great it was, is over, it wants to be over without regret because immediately available is next. Reflecting on this later, I imagined a bulging hammock between over and next and realized that is where the struggle to live in the moment resides. And here's why it's important to me as a person who is transitioning into, you know, vision loss. I can only assume that a lot of you are sharing some of the feelings I have, which is what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen next, 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 next. And the point is, if you have to think about next, how about you think about it as he put it, immediately available is next. Next is not something to dread. It's something that's available to you. Look at it as 
the opportunity of next, the possibility of next, the availability of next. And don't over expect when it comes to your thoughts about next. Because as we all know, based on this year, COVID, have you heard of it? Did you get any plans completely, you know, destroyed because of COVID? Anybody? You plan, God laughs. So you can prepare for what you hope the future will bring. Uh, You know, pay your bills, walk your dog, take your vitamins, call your mother. But the minute you assume that things will work out in a certain way, uh, then you are setting yourself up. You don't have any control over any of it. Especially if you have vision issues, you, you of all people should know. We have to navigate through life and we can't predict the weather in life. So maybe it's best that we take a page out of Norman Lear's playbook, even though he's trying to commit, he's, you know, he's still working on it himself, which is to just appreciate that big soft hammock between what was just over and what's coming up next and be here right now, listening to me, drinking your coffee, walking your dog, being right here right now and not turning next into something that's going to um, ruin now. I also wanted to write Norman Lear a thank you letter for having inspired me so much and so unexpectedly, you know. I thought I was going to read a book about with funny anecdotes about All in the Family and Archie Bunker and Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner, and I did get that. But instead, I also, but in addition, I also got these wonderful, wonderful nuggets of philosophy. And uh, I kept on putting it off, writing him the, the note. And then about a couple of weeks ago, I had a scare and I thought that I had detached a retina and I was panicking, obviously, because I can't handle too many more of these kinds of surgeries. And I thought to myself, I'm, I'm getting in a cab to go to the doctor and this may be the last time I'll be able to fully use my eye. So I am going to write Norman Lear that note right now. So I sat down, I wrote it on my computer and I sent it to the mutual friend that we have and said, please forward this to Norman Lear. And I did. Went to the doctor worried, 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 what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next. Well, guess what? I didn't have a detached retina. And the next day, he wrote back the most beautiful thank you note. And he said it took me 98 years to get possibly the loveliest note ever written. It was it was so sweet. And so um, I just want to say to you that it's important to consider that philosophy of not living in the next if it's taking away from your now because now is as good as it's going to get. You know what I mean? Just appreciate now. And also, I never saw this coming, which means that you never know where you're going to find an answer or find an inspiration. So keep on looking. Keep on reading. Keep on listening. Keep on talking to people. It could be somebody that you're you know, talking to at the bus stop. You don't know what kind of words of wisdom out there will suddenly just make you do a complete 180 on a way of thinking. So thank you to Norman Lear, and thank you for listening, and let's all enjoy that wonderful lazy hammock.
and live right in the now. My back to life. Folks, today we have one of our board members for the Support Site Foundation, Mark Gerner, joining us. Hey, Mark. Hey, Dawn. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm great today. Thanks for joining us and making the time. Of course. Always happy to do these things. So you know all about the segment of the My MacD Life podcast. Uh, as a board member, you're tuned into all of that, no pun intended. And how important it is, yeah, how important it is for our listeners to, you know, really get a sense of the leadership, get a sense of the people like you who are really committed to saving sight for the millions of people out there and who are suffering from macular degeneration and losing their precious vision. So you come at this. Let's talk about that. How do you come at this? How did you get here? And how your kind of journey has led you to being on the board of the foundation? Sure. So obviously, we've been we've been working together for a while here, Dawn. Uh, we actually met, I guess, when probably about five or ten years ago now, when we were working in the same building when the prior form of this foundation, when Herb and you were working together. And I think when it began, for me, I don't have vision issues, but as a child growing up, as you know, I had cancer when I was you know, 10 years old. And when I was that age, you know, there was a lot of experimental treatments that I was benefiting from that had you know gone through trials and they were benefiting me. And I was in as many of them as possible to help whoever was after me. So you know, with this particular cause, it was kind of true to me where, you know, we want to get in front of these things. We want to do everything that we can now to benefit people down the line. So to me, it was, it's an important cause. I actually have it in my family. My grandmother has it. And my uncle also has the beginning stages of it. So it's something that, you know, I've always been interested in helping whoever is next and whoever can benefit down the line. So, you know, that's, that's what I was interested in. And then obviously the, the personality. So I got to know you and we worked together uh, on this, trying to you know raise awareness and kind of continuing what Herb was trying to do all along um, with curing macular degeneration. That's right. So just so folks know, the, the Support Site Foundation, as Mark was talking about, the previous generation, so to speak, was the Macular Vision Research Foundation. And of course, we have created the Support Sight Foundation as the next step in the evolution, if you will, of our fight to save sight. And Marcus was part of that stage of things. So you're right. You've been committed to this for a long time. Let's pick up on your comments about your, your pediatric cancer. And boy, I can't even imagine, you know, what that must have been like for you and your family to experience and to go through and and go through together and maybe put that next to what it must be like to have macular degeneration and lose your sight and comment, if you will, on the impact on the family, at least from your experience and the people around you and how they helped you get through what you got through. No, yeah, that's a, it's something that I don't think everyone always appreciates how much it affects the family, not just the person who's going through the actual disease or the problem. So I was young. I was 
10, 11 years old uh, when, when this was all happening. I had to go through chemo. I had to have surgery. I came from a medical family. My father is a doctor. My mom is a nurse. So in some ways it was good because you know they knew a lot, but that was also in a lot of ways bad because they were always worried about what was going to happen next. They were worried about me. I had to have you know, some pretty serious medications that affected me, you know, throughout the rest of my life, honestly. And I also had to have surgery. And, you know, when you're going through that, as far as, you know, my parents were my caretakers, right? So my mom was, you know, had to stay home with me. She had to make sure that I was okay. I had to be on crutches. I had to be wheeled around in a wheelchair. And then I had to basically kind of relearn how to walk, relearn how to do a lot of things. So in the meantime, I needed a lot of support from everyone in my family. You know, my parents were with me frequently. My sisters were at home. Other people had to step in. So it was really, you know, a change of lifestyle for our whole family. And I think that that's, you know, exactly what happens when you lose vision, right? You have to rely on other people in your life to help you. You know, to some extent, you just learn to live with the new normal, which is difficult sometimes for me. You know, I had a unique situation and a unique surgery that nobody else had ever had. So nobody was there to say, this is what happens at this stage, right? I think uh, that's one of maybe the benefits of obviously what we're doing here. You know, you want to have that support for people. Not everybody has parents like I had to do what I needed to do, right? You know, this is something that happens typically probably later on in life, potentially where, you know, your parents aren't around to do all those things for you. So uh, there are certainly parallels and, you know, how it affects the whole family is really important. It's not just the person that actually is going through the the disease. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's really inspiring. I got to tell you, because just listening to you tell that part of the story, and I've heard bits and pieces, obviously, over the course of our relationship and the time that we've spent together. But you know, it makes me think about a couple things, empathy, compassion, um, like you said, a new normal, you know, when people are diagnosed with macular degeneration for the first time and, you know, a doc says, oh, by the way, you know, you're going to lose your vision at some point, you know, that's, I mean, that's scary stuff, right? Sure. And I I think that it's an important point to make too. And and having gone through, you know, having cancer and, you know, ultimately when you have that, you you end up being introduced to more people that have that. And and I'm sure it's the same thing with macular degeneration, but, you know, you go through phases and kind of the first phase is like, wow, that that's a huge life change, right? So you think about how that's going to affect your life. But I don't think you... At first, you don't want to talk to somebody else who's going to say, oh, yeah, I I dealt with the same thing and it's going to be fine, right? You go through the stage of you feel bad for yourself and it's like a realization that this is all going to happen. And then you get to another point where you're like, okay, now I'm going to deal with it, right? And that's kind of Uh where we're fitting in with, you know, the support site foundation where, you know, when you get to that point and and you're going to have to live with this, you're going to have to deal with this, there's support there for you. But, you know, there's stages of when that's appropriate, quite honestly. Um, And I've learned that over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. You know, you have to ask for help and you, you know, like in your situation and in, you know, everybody's when they're faced with a life changing situation, you not only have to ask for help, but you also have to seek resources, you know, like you said, like the support site foundation and, and places where you can better understand what's ahead of you. And that's definitely what the role of the foundation, a key role that we play. 
So I want to circle back to a comment you made about clinical trials. So, you know, we've talked about this, you know, and the audience, you know, it's a good thing to think about if you haven't before, research makes medicine. And clinical trials for potential new treatments to, you know, for MACD or new cures, you know, the process involves clinical trials. And it's one way, a key way that people who have the disease can play a role on impacting the future. And the Support Site Foundation is going to play a role in helping people to connect with those clinical trials. But talk about what that experience was like for you. Sure. So well, I'll say the, the one benefit, when I was receiving treatment, they just finished a trial for a medication that prevented nausea, which is the biggest side effect of chemo. So that was like a huge advancement. So everyone was like, you know, you can't believe how well you're doing compared to the way just a, a few years prior, how, how sick people would be. So I, I really started to appreciate that. And then I was on a couple trials. The one that was kind of the most well-known was called Epigen. And it was it was famous at the time because these cyclists were taking it to as performance enhancers. Wow. But it was, yeah, it was, so it was really popular. And we used to joke because you know, they'd give us these vials and you could sell them for thousands of dollars per vial. <laughs> and, they were, and they were just giving <laughs> it to Pay for your me. surgery. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that was a trial. They had gone through a lot of the research already, but they needed to test it on children. So... I was able to partake in that. Uh, so that was just one example. And the benefit of that drug was that it boosted your immune system. It, it allowed your body to recover quicker from the chemo, um, which is really important. And, you know, eventually that was something that they use far more frequently and, and it really benefited people down the line. Um, but I appreciated that, you know, I was going through something that wasn't really all that common. And quite honestly, you know, a lot of people had, had died prior to me because they didn't have all the things that were I had access to. And if we could just make the process a little bit better for the next person, I was all in for that, right? So fortunately, I was at a hospital that had access and, and gave us the ability to partake in something like that. So that was really important. So I, I can appreciate, you know, how important it is for, you know, patients to have that option because, you know, they want to be able to help whoever's next you know, and they're benefiting from the people that were there before them. So uh, definitely things as a, as a patient, you know, you know, I was willing to do. And, and I think most people would be willing to do that. So it's, it's obviously very important and obviously getting involved in that and, and making sure people have access to those is really, really important. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really another incredible piece of your story, you know, of even at a young age, how brave you were and, you know, almost fearless, right? You, and, and you had to be because in a way, why not, right? What's that about? Well, I, I think I was young enough to probably not fully appreciate, I guess, all the risks, <laughs> you know, I, mm, I was yeah. relying on, you know, my my support system really. And it was my parents and, you know, my parents were in medicine. So, you know, the, the hospital spoke to them differently. They, you know, my parents spoke to me and said, you know, it's going to be okay. They spoke in my terms, you know, the, the care that I got was a children's hospital and it was, you know, it was very good. And they spoke to me as a person. And I think that that's also a very important piece of it. But I think that I was young. I didn't really fully understand, which, 
was probably more difficult for my parents, right? Because they fully understood every little thing that was happening, which is, is yeah. you know, I can't imagine having to, to think about the, the possible sideways turns that could have happened throughout <laughs> the whole time I was being treated, right? So, um, right. so for me, it was, a, I was a, young person with <laughs> with a positive attitude and that was kind of given to me through my parents honestly yeah and you're still like that and i think that that speaks to the power of attitude whether you're young and somewhat you know naive as we all are when we're younger and even when we're older in a way but you know just in kind of closing our comments here first of all let me say to you how much how grateful we are at the foundation for your leadership, for your insight, for your willingness to be part of this, because we know that you have a lot of choices and where you want to spend your time and your energy. So I can't thank you enough for that. Well, anytime. I'm, I'm so happy to be able to work with great people like yourself. And, you know, obviously we've, we've been doing this for a while and, and I know how much you put into this and how much you truly care about, you know, the treatments, but also the people. And it's really it's amazing that, you know, you work, work as hard as you do and you've accomplished as much as you've accomplished. I'm just happy to be tied to you and, and to the foundation too, to help further the cause. So thank you for allowing me to be a part of it. Thank you. And if you had to sum it up, I'm going to put you on the spot for everybody out there listening. If you had to sum up, you know, your experience and uh, overcoming adversity. And obviously you're doing great and you're healthy and you survived all that, which is in a way a miracle. But if you had to sum it up and tell other people who are, you know, with macular degeneration, who are maybe facing adversity for the very first time in their life, or at least something huge adversity, like losing your vision, what would you say to them? I would say that, you know, you have to you have to move forward. You might have to live with something that you never anticipated, but that doesn't mean it's not worth living, right? It, you have to move forward, and there's always going to be hope. The Support Site Foundation is going to be working towards cures. There's going to be people in the industry that are, are working to make things better. So there's always hope. Even though things aren't maybe the way they used to be, that doesn't mean they're not going to be great. So just you have to be positive and move forward. Thank you, Mark. Have a good day. Sure. Thank you, Don. You too. My name is Bill Kilroy. I'm the uh, sales director, senior sales director for the Northeast, based out of Massachusetts for Vispero. And I am joined by my wonderful colleague, Mike Wood, who is our strategic accounts manager for education. Hey, thanks, Bill. Happy to be here again. I love it. And uh, today's uh, segment will be about a piece of technology we call the transformer. Before we get into what that is, let's just take a step back and uh, remind you who we are. Uh, we're with a company by the name of Vispero, and Vispero is probably the world's largest assistive technology provider for the visually impaired. You know, the keeper of a number of notable brands in the assistive technology industry for uh, blindness and low vision. Uh, we specialize in assistive technology for people with vision loss. Um, so we do both software and hardware. And today's segment is going to be focusing on a piece of equipment from our enhanced vision division. And it is a device called the Transformer. 
And what the Transformer is, it's a portable three-in-one high-definition camera. It actually can be a multi-camera system that you can connect to a standalone monitor. You can connect it to your laptop. You can connect it to your MacBook or your iPad, or one of the latest uh, compatibilities we added was to Chromebook, which is, you'll find a lot of those devices in education. And and what that camera is, it's a three-in-one camera. It's a foldable device, number one, so you can put it on your your work surface, and the camera can pivot, and the the, uh, camera head can look down at what's on your work surface. And if in a classroom situation or at home, I can get distance viewing capabilities. You actually get two batteries. So really, you've got four hours of battery life. It comes with a separate battery charger, so you can always have one charging while you're using one. And then if you run out of battery power, you can still plug this unit in. So you've got that flexibility too, which I think is nice. Well, and the other thing that's great about it, you know, and, and when, we, when Mike and I have talked about a lot of these technologies in the past when it comes down to magnification, you know, we don't always mention it, but, you know, you have obviously step up through a range of magnifications, which is obviously important for people, you know, zooming in on different size texts of material and objects in the distance, you need to have variable magnification. But, you know, we can step through high contrast options for people that need to see, you know, white text on a black background or the reverse of that or Many, many different colors. We're not going to bore you with all the, the, the capabilities this has in that realm, uh, but also adds in things like markers and masking so that I can put a line marker on the screen and I can, as I'm moving my print material under the camera, I can sort of keep it aligned properly. Or if I don't want a lot of visual clutter in a textbook or novel that I'm reading, I can just reduce the background black out everything but the two or three lines that I want to focus on reading. So this is a collapsible design. This is, you know, under three pounds for the person that's moving from class to class or seniors traveling from home to a vacation destination. You're always taking your technology with you and you always have it with you. And the, the other thing that we focus on is not only is it, you know, providing you with a lot of capabilities but also it offers you a lot of durability. That's the one thing you will see in our line that, you know, really where the rubber meets the road is, is functionality. Obviously, you need it. It's mission critical. And that's what you're, you're attempting to solve a problem by making things bigger. But you want that product to last. You don't want to abuse it. But if you, I always say, Mike, if, if you take good care of it, it will take good care of you and for many years to come. Absolutely. I always think of uh, Chicago there. When you're good to mama, mama's good to you. So <laughs> take exactly. care of your products. And, you know, the other thing I think that uh, is key to mention with the transformer that's great, and I, again, I see the kids in the school using this a lot, is the OCR, so optical character recognition, which will allow you to scan. So it's also great for readers. If you're reading and your eyes start to fatigue towards the end of the day, or you just have to read a lot, you can scan material in using this transformer and it will actually read it back to you. You've got multiple voices you can pick and choose. Um, you can save the files if you want to listen to them later. So I think that's a nice nice functionality as well within the transformer. I, I agree. We've, we've referred to, you know, these dual modalities. So, you know, I can use my vision and I can just functional vision, just read the material as it's laid out for me on the screen with all the settings for contrast, magnification level, masking, as we referred to. But like you say, if I fatigue or, you know what, I'm just not, you know, I, I, this is a, a document that's 
three or four pages long. I want to just take pictures of it and then have it read back to me. You know, the transformer has an OCR option and basically any bit of print material can be turned into a audiobook for the user. And the other cool thing is multiple languages are supported here. So if you're uh, looking at a French document and you, you can scan it in the native language and read it with the native speaking voice. So there's a lot of cool stuff there. So it's worth checking out. Definitely. And you had mentioned uh, the durability, but I did want to touch point on two. You do get a two-year warranty with this product. So you're covered for two years. And I think, you know, the another great thing that I always like to say is, you know, a lot of our technology is put together right here in California, right? Huntington Beach, California at our plant there. So if anyone's ever out that way, stop by. It's a great facility. You know, with COVID, there's had some tour shutdowns, I think, but I've been there for a tour and it's a great, beautiful new facility. It is very impressive. And I love the fact that, you know, we design everything, engineer it, we bring it to market out of this warehouse in California for all of these products. Again, what Don and what Sean are doing with my MACD life in bringing more awareness to uh, not only issues in, in surrounding macular degeneration and vision rehabilitation, but also taking the time to focus on these technologies and companies like us, uh, because nobody knows these tools exist. So we're proud to talk about them, share what we know. Uh, again, if you're in the area and you're, you're you know, post-COVID and we can have you in for a tour, awesome. Before we go, let's just give everybody the pricing. So the base transformer magnification only, um, the retail on that is $2,595. And as Mike was describing, the OCR package you know, with the camera, basically that's the multi-camera system. That takes the price to $2,995. These, these devices aren't inexpensive, but they provide a, a, a lifetime of value. And it's, um, you know, you got to look at this as hopefully as an investment in your independence, your education in a lot of cases. And for many people still today who are working to stay on the job. And, um, you know, we're happy to consult with you on these products. So if you need to check it out further, you can go to vispero.com. You can link to the Enhanced Vision website as well, where you'll find uh, a link to the Transformer. Enhanced Vision's URL is www.enhancedvision.com. And don't forget to visit mymacdlife.org and check out all the cool things that Support Site Foundation has put together for you as an audience. Take care. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We're really glad you're here. Please come back. Yeah, it's definitely a privilege and a pleasure. And remember, for more information, please go to mymacdlife.org. We have all sorts of resources and info there for patients who have MACD and their families. And remember to join us next time on My MACD Life. Thanks for being with us on My MACD Life, the podcast with a vision to bring hope, optimism, perspective, and education to our listeners. For more information and many great, incredible resources, visit mymacdlife.org. This program is supported by amazing listeners like you. During the season of giving, please consider a donation to keep our mission moving forward. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, keep living with hope.